I'm super pleased today to and excited to have Ross Wilson from SciMood, who is one of our network partners on the podcast. Today, Ross shares his own personal story in growing up and some of the mental health issues he faced, and which is really translated into his own personal mission of helping people solve their own mental health issues, which led him to join SciMood. SciMood helps our clients on a daily basis access quick access to the mental health supports that people need on a daily basis. We talk a bit about the future of mental health. And then lastly, we finish up with Ross's own, uh, his own recommendations and his daily practices to keep his own wheels of health in balance on a daily basis. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hey Ross, great to see you again. Yeah, great to see you too, Kevin. Yeah. I, uh, so pleased to have you on our podcast today and, uh, for our listeners, uh, I actually was a guest on Ross's podcast about a month ago and yeah. really enjoyed our conversation. So we're really looking forward to uh, having you on the podcast today and just learning more about your background and more importantly, what SciMood does and how they help people every single day. So absolutely here. Before no, we get into that, I, yeah, before we get into that, I know last time we talked about uh, one of the things we have in common is that we are both triathletes. Mm -hmm. And I know I've been very busy training and I believe you've been busy training as well because you have a big event uh, coming up in August. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. The, uh, my first, first and hopefully many more to come Ironmans I'll be doing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and our conversation we had was really inspiring, especially with the, the athleticism and everything that you were doing and still do was just like, you know, I, I could do it too. I feel inspired. Good stuff. And what's your, if you don't mind me asking, uh, uh, we're, we're hosting this on a Wednesday. What did your, have you trained today yet? Or you've still, still got something to do? What's your training looking like? Yeah. So I did, I hit the, I hit the gym about four 30 this morning. Cause I like to get up early and, um, get to the gym when it's a little bit quieter. And then this evening, luckily I have two bikes cause we were talking about how I got a flat. So luckily I have two bikes and I'll be able to hit the, the road Later this evening, when it quiets down a little bit here in Ottawa, um, I recently just moved to this kind of outside of Ottawa, the downtown area where they have just pure straight line roads through the farmland. So it's just nothing but pavement. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I know people get excited about jewelry, but I get excited about a straight paved road. <laughs> straight paved and flat. <laughs> and flat. It's fantastic. Yeah. So that I'll probably be training that this evening. Um, and then some rain's coming in, so I'll do more of the indoor spin rest of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really do have to look at the schedule or the weather just to plan your week and plan your days, as you know, very well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, same with you as well. You, you know, you, you wake up and the first thing you do usually is you check your emails and texts. I go straight to the weather app and I'm like, okay, I got to plan accordingly. This is an indoor day or an outdoor day. So, yeah, so it's it's difficult because I shouldn't really be picky because if it's raining, I could, I could still be out there, but the enjoyment is not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially it can be dangerous, especially if you're cycling. So true. Yeah, I had a, uh, a ride this morning and uh, actually I'm going out swimming in a lake with our triathlon club uh, this evening. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, well, yeah. that's very nice to have a lake nearby. Yeah. 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 So it's a uh, man-made lake, but it's still good just to get in the water. I actually had a race on, on the weekend, my first race, cause I hadn't raced in four years due wow. to, due to injuries and COVID. Yeah. Um, so I thought I better get back in, uh, in race, at least experience the race racing atmosphere again. And it was great just to get out there again. So yeah, it was awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm 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 excited that things are starting to open up the community pools, the indoor pools, because during COVID, you, you couldn't swim. I mean, some of the pools were closed. So I was using these resistant bands and pretending to do the same motion as, as you would do swimming. It obviously not as enjoyable, but so I'm looking forward to the summer to be able to get out and start swimming again because it's something very therapeutic about it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. And thank uh, you. Congr congratulations on your first the goal, you know, to do an <laughs> Ironman is, is is significant, uh, but also the training that goes into it. You know, like the yeah. I always say the training is equally or uh, as important as as the final destination, which is the race itself. Um, and what you go through in training. And it's, I think it's, I think it relates actually to a lot of things in life that the journey is just as satisfying or in many cases more satisfying than the actual final event. Yeah, it is. It's true. I think, you know, I found that a lot of people were saying it's the actual event is not as difficult as the upcut, like the training that takes place. And, and you think to yourself, yeah, that makes sense because for me to just go from one extreme to the other, I, I was never a triathlete. I thought to myself, you know, I probably don't have the endurance for it. But then the more I realized how much I enjoyed it, the more I wanted to expand. And then someone said to me, you should do an Ironman. I was like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> and Good that's kind of what took me here. It was like, you know what? Someone suggested and I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> yeah. I know we're going to get into this because a lot of uh, what Mood does and, uh, and, and what you, your personal passion is around is helping people with mental health. And, and just a question for you in terms of your training, do you find that when you're out there training at those, as we said, the flat roads and long roads and, or the long runs or even the swimming, do you find that very therapeutic and uh, um, a positive uh, uh, re uh, result for in mental health? In other words, do you, see, do you see the correlation between those two? Absolutely. No, that's a great question. You know, the one thing that we always, we talk about a lot is, you know, physical fitness, but sometimes we neglect the mental fitness as well. And, you know, someone who has suffered from mental health issues at, since a very young age, physical activities was something that I really utilized to kind of disappear from that feeling, to kind of engage into something that's more productive and in a positive manner. So when, I'm sure you know this, when, when you're on your bike and you're just seeing nothing but pavement and it's no wind and it's completely calm, there's something extremely eye-opening, spiritual about that. You, you, you're able to think clear. So I can go through my day of things that I was feeling on my bike. I'll be cycling going like, how did I feel this morning? Let's evaluate that. So I'm literally having a conversation with myself on, on my bike. It is extremely beneficial to find something that could engage your mental fitness, find activities that you could do to, to best feel better in that process. And uh, I'm sure you can relate that feeling of just silence on a bike or in swimming is so amazing. Yeah, I just find I agree with you. And, and I know many others do as well that, uh, you know, physical fitness for for me is it's yeah, it's great to be fed and for cardiovascular health and longevity and everything else. But also it's it's amazing for mental health. Yeah, and it is. it's what it does and puts you in such a positive mindset. And like you, I try pretty much every single day to start out my day with that. Even if I don't have a lot of time, I'll still try to get something in um, just because I find my whole, if I do that, my whole day gets off to, to a, a great start and continues Absolutely. on throughout the day. So, well, yeah, a lot of people think I'm crazy when I say I work out at 4 30 in the morning. And, and in some cases it's when you work out, 
getting there is the hardest part. But once you're afterwards, once you come home and you realize what you've achieved early in the morning, the rest of the day, everything is is great because you've achieved yeah, yeah. A, a pretty gigantic goal in the in early in the morning. So I always find it very beneficial. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it. There is some satisfaction when you're driving or coming back home, and most people are just getting out of bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see people going to work, and I've already done like two hours of work in a way. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. quite it's quite relaxing to know that people are leaving and I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Ross, you mentioned uh, just in terms of your own mental health uh, and and uh, growing up. Would you care to share just your own personal story and? And uh, in a bit, we'll get into how that relates to Psy Mood and what you're doing there. But I'd love for our listeners just to hear about your own personal journey, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I grew up with several learning disabilities. And at the time, there was really no conceptual understanding of what these are. They, they knew that I was slow. Um, my mom and the, dad were told that, you know, I had some issues learning, there were some issues when it came to socializing. So they kind of just put you aside to, you know, different or slower than the rest of the students. So I was already in that kind of stigmatized box of, I know I probably won't learn as fast. I probably won't have as many friends. There was really no support at the time. You know, your parents do as much as they can to, to be supportive. But at the time, there was really no place that you could discuss this openly without feeling feared of stigmatized. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what, sorry, what and what age or what age range or grade uh, would have this been or grade? So this was, you know, the, the entry into grade eight into high school, you know, so coming from elementary school, I was in a community elementary school and my parents at the very end of elementary, they realized that I was learning a little bit differently than most people. So there was a program in a high school that was sort of like a special ed program. And they deliberately moved so they could be in that district to, so I would be able to access this uh, opportunity. And it was, it was a wonderful program, but the, what the hardest thing was is at the very beginning, I was already segregated away from the rest of the school. I was in a special ed program, so I already felt different. So I wasn't really feeling comfortable with everybody else because they knew that I was in a different side of the school. So I would come across the hall to a different school, to a different cafeteria. So at a very young age, I was very good at not saying anything because I was fearful of what they would say. And that happened throughout my high school years. And even when I graduated, after graduating, I still had that feeling of, well, don't speak about it because, you know, you're afraid of what people may think. And then, you know, in 2017, when I lost my mom to cancer, my mental health started to flare up again, thinking like, you know, now I have no support system, like the individual that I relied on to discuss openly about how I'm feeling was no longer here. Sorry to, sorry to hear that. Wow. Well, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. You know, and that also took me to the, the path that I'm on now was the understanding of grieving and bereavement and, and having the opportunity to speak openly to people about how you're feeling, but also the opportunity that we came up realizing there's not a lot of opportunities for people to speak there's not a lot of solutions you know there's a lot of maybe we can help and maybe this so throughout that process really kind of brought me to where I am now is to try to find solutions for everybody whether you can speak English or or, or not or if you have the affordability or not so it's interesting what path we go on to and then how we get to where we are you know it's quite interesting 
Yeah, because, you know, just I, I did a little research on your bio and background and, and the thing that really struck me and actually I wrote it down is from from all that it seems like you're very much on a mission to help people mission to help others like everything I see you've done the last number of years is is to is to help others um which I probably is driven through your own experience right or through your own uh supports that weren't there when you perhaps needed them yeah it's it's so true because you know, my parents worked very hard to, to be able to give me the opportunity to go to a special ed program in, in high school. You know, I'm, I know it was expensive and I know they struggled to, to make ends meet. But, you know, throughout that whole process, when I got older and then after the loss of my mom, I thought to myself, well, what would happen for individuals that didn't have access or didn't have the tools to get the support or couldn't afford it, really? You know, because in some cases, affordability and access kind of prevents people from getting the support that's needed, right? So, you know, my mission, I guess, in a way is to find solutions to, you know, these kind of issues that are popping up for everybody, no matter where you're from, everyone deserves the same treatment that I got, even though it was kind of that old school mentality, everyone deserves the same treatment that we all get. Yeah. And, and that's what really drew me to where I am now. And were the supports there for you, like um, going back again to your high school years, which you said were very difficult, obviously, and, and you were segregated from others, were the supports there at that point for you? In other words, were, were they available in the system? You know, honestly, Kevin, no. Um, you know, a lot of the times was you'd be speaking to counselors and they would say, well, listen, let's focus on what you are good at. And, and absolutely, totally understand that. But then in some cases, I think to myself, well, I may be good at one thing, but I, I really want to be good with other things too. But I never had the opportunity of learning that opportunity. And in some cases, I was told by a lot of individuals, this is just how it's going to be. You will struggle. You will have issues. You just have to understand that you're different, as they would, uh, the, the term different, as they would say. So at the time... They had counselors, but at the time, the counselors really didn't have the proper training either. They, they were no. just there for support and, you know, don't feel sad. You know, it's okay to be different. And it's just like, absolutely, but I kind of need a little bit more guidance. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they were there for you. I'm thinking back to my high school counselor. I mean, they were there for you and there to listen, but they had no formal training in, in how to help you through those challenges or mental health issues you were, you were facing. Yeah. You know, and... And then I think that's a key thing that you just said is we need to also, instead of the individuals, the people that are, you know, helping need the training too. They, we need to support them. The, the practitioners also need that support because they can only do so much with the education that they have, you know, so it's very true. Well, yeah. And I don't know how many parents I've talked to again through our company where as a parent, you think you can just help your kids. Right. And yeah. we obviously we all want to do the very best we can and we do everything we can to help our kids. But we don't have formalized training in, in what are the right questions and how do you help them through you know, some of these mental health issues that they may be facing, um, even though we have the best intent as parents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. So let me ask you then, when your uh, mom passed away, and again, so sorry to hear that, but that was 2017, so not that long ago, right? Oh, no, yeah. And, and were there supports that you were able to access to help you through that? Or again, did you just kind of do it on your own? Yeah, you know, 
going back to what you were saying about family and parents, you know, I had my dad at the time, but again, you know, parents divorced when I was 10. So, you know, he's, you know, in the United States. So he was never able to stay permanently with me through that process. And then you have family and friends. And, but I think in some cases, as, as a lot of us know, when you lose someone, when people don't know how to really help, they say it will get better. You know, things will get better. And it's just like, yes, then, but I'm worried about now. So there was those opportunities to have that support, whether it was counseling or grief counseling or bereavement counseling or, or go to a, um, a, re a religious um, facility to get some support. But I think in some cases, when you're going through that process from the past of mental health and just having to figure it out yourself, you're kind of a little bit stubborn saying, I, I can figure this out. And you know, in some cases, I think that can be harmful because I just close the door and say, my mom would want me to get back to work. She would want me to keep going. But then I also thought to myself, I really didn't take time to grieve. I, I was so told as, you know, as you are like, hey, you know, take some time, but you need to get back out there. You need to get going, you know, find some happy things to do. But no one really tells you to say, hey, take some time off, relax, you know, really kind of figure this out. There's no rush. I, I felt, I felt rushed to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the old, I'll say suck it up mentality, like suck yeah. it up and let's get, get on with life type of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, as a, as a guy, you want to be tough. You're like, you know, I can do this. I'm no problem. I'm, I'm totally fine with this, but then deep down you're like, I'm, I'm not fine with this. Yeah. And so I guess that's in a way that egotism, you know, mentality of like, you know, don't show any cracks. You, you can do this. Yeah. Which is, I'll, that's, and that's been the mentality that many of us have grown up with, right? Yeah. And it still exists in many circles. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what, uh, how did you uh, tie what your passion is in terms of helping people and helping people deal with mental health issues and bereavement? And how did that, uh, what was the bridge between that and SIMU? So when my when I lost my mom, I started to do a lot more work in the community in, in Vancouver, where I'm from originally. And throughout that process of working in the shelters and organizations down there, I started to realize that accessibility to mental health and, and grief support was only around for individuals that spoke English. You know, a lot of the, the, the products, the services, the support, the pamphlets we're usually in one language, maybe French on occasion, but mainly one language. And throughout my community work, I noticed a lot of newcomers to, to Vancouver, a lot of refugees, a lot of families that are coming in from other countries that unfortunately are suffering from homelessness. And I, I started to realize that throughout this process, we really weren't able to provide a solution because they didn't speak English. So I started to realize that there was something missing. And then when I moved here to Ottawa, um, just out of luck through social media, I met uh, Fred and Rodrigo, who are the founders of SciMood. And they were starting to implement this idea of providing uh, um, mental health solutions and support and specialists in different languages outside of French and English, like a, a broad variety of languages. And it made me realize that during COVID, especially when the mental health kind of kick was starting to get more and more and the influx of newcomers to Canada that we weren't really doing enough in Canada to help mental health in you know spaces that don't speak English individuals so that brought me to Simon and, and kind of expanding and helping it grow and 
you know, doing a podcast with you and, and talking about it, because I think at the end of the day, we all deserve the same rights and the same support that I get as a Canadian citizen. Everyone deserves that, whether you're not Canadian or you're not from here. And Simon has given them the opportunity to utilize their birth language to get that support through a specialist that speaks their birth language. And it's truly amazing because Canada and a lot of every country in the world is built around newcomers. We're all newcomers and we all deserve the same access as, as we Canadians do. Yeah, no, great, great point. And uh, it's, it's awesome. You're helping so many people and, and helping so many of our members on a daily basis as well. So, so thank you for that. Um, you mentioned the pandemic and it's no secret that during the pandemic, you know, mental health issues have skyrocketed, anxiety, depression. We see it in claims. We see it in, in uh, mental health facilities. Um, can you just comment on what you saw out there during COVID? And secondly, I know you've done a lot of work uh, with first responders as well. So I'd like to just get your input on that and, and how you're able to help so many first responders that, that really helped keep Canada going in a real, really tough time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess at the very beginning of COVID, you know, mental health was something that was on the radar, but not too intense. And I think over the time of lockdowns opening, lockdown opening, people were starting to fluctuate into their mental stability, you know, especially in retail, restaurants, workplaces, corporate world, because it was come to work, nope, come to work, maybe. It was that confusion. And, and throughout the process, it was the fear of uncertainty that a lot of us were experiencing. And with the first responders especially was, do I put myself in a position of risk to help those when I have a family? I have a family but I also don't want to put them at risk, but I also have a duty and an obligation that I signed up for to be a first responder. So at the very beginning of the pandemic here in Ottawa, I literally put out a message onto social media saying, I will be sitting outside of this hospital. I'm on a park bench. We can keep our distance because at the time there was a distance. And I said, if you have to talk, I'm sitting here. And for the first little bit, no one showed up. And then after the second week, people started to just come and sit beside me with their lunch. And we just started talking. And it was the fact is, is that they have the support in some cases inside the walls, but it's outside that they need the support because they're leaving a very traumatic event and then trying to normalize again before they go to their family. And that's a very hard transition to go from saving lives to normal to like, everything's fine. Don't worry about me, I'm good. It was that middle part and first responders, you know, there's not a big enough word to say how much we admire and how much I, I, I admire all of them from the, the people, the hospital workers to the people cleaning the hospital. I mean, they're all first responders. And a lot of the times it was the burnout of, you know, work, 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 the uncertainty. Are we open? Are we not? Is, what's going on? And I think mental health really started to flare up based around uncertainty you know I, I i sort of look at it as like triathlon like if you're going the distance but you're feeling yourself getting tired it's that uncertainty of am i going to make it and that fear of like i may not finish the race so it was the same with the first responders it's like i want to keep going but i don't think i can because i'm tired so that was a big eye opener too as well 
Well, and it's been, it's, it's been a, a very long haul, you know, and yeah. like, it's not like it's over, you know, like a, yeah. so many first responders I know are, you know, have, they, they're looking for alternative work, alternative jobs, just because they don't want to, they can't do it anymore. And, and understandably, I mean, one of the stats that I, that I read was that during COVID, 82% of Canadians experienced increased anxiety. And I actually say, I, I would say it's a hundred percent. Like if any, I don't know one person that, that I know that would say that, oh, they've had decreased stress during, during COVID and in particular first responders. I mean, remember when, when uh, COVID first hit, which I'm going to say uh, hit Canada probably was around March, 2020, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every night at seven o'clock, I would, you'd go outside or go in the balcony and you could hear people like, you know, clanking their pots or pans and really giving tribute to first responders. And, you know, today I wish that was still happening, right? Just to, to show the appreciation uh, because our hospitals are still overburdened and, and full uh, due, due to the, uh, the stress that COVID put on our hospital system. Yeah, and I, and I also read an article, I think it was last week where they were saying they're predicting in the next two to three years that 70% of our healthcare system or individual like nurses will probably leave and, and find other alternatives of work because of, of the influx and the burnout and the stress. And I mean, you know, just being present in some of these hospitals working with the, the work that I'm doing, you could see why. I mean, you walk into the front door and it's already just intense. And you think to yourself, I haven't even got to the, the units yet. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because as you know, our organization, we have nurses through our nurse navigation team right across Canada. And I've noticed a dramatic difference when we when we go out to hire now, like the, it's a floodgate of applications coming in, super qualified people. And a lot of the story is just what you said, people, they just say, you know what, if I can work from home, and I just don't want to go through that burnout, and if I know my hours or no, and I can work in the peace of my home and have virtual, virtual uh, um, meetings to help people on a daily basis, I'd much rather be in that environment. You know, and it's it's amazing that you know with with yourself and your team that you're able to hire individuals like that because you know at the end of the day they work so hard to get to where they are and it would be a shame to not have them continue that journey but in a better scenario and you're right if how how much stress is off your shoulders knowing that I get a paycheck at this time these are my hours I have opportunity to go see my kids this is my structured hours that I could live around I mean the hospitals, I know, are it's difficult to kind of have that structure, but it's nice to know that there's companies out there and individuals like yourself that are see the benefit of having that kind of structure and supporting the nurses. Because the, the, the nurses, to me, will always be those heroes that nobody talks enough about, yeah. you know, even teachers, you know, teachers, counselors, anyone that's working on the front line to help people, whether it's helping clean up after the lunchroom these are individuals that to me are, are, should be in the same category as frontline first respond heroes because they didn't have to choose to do this. They could have said, no, COVID, I don't wanna do this, but they're there. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's the kind of story I hope people tell more about is they weren't forced to be there. They chose to be there because this is what they felt was right. I mean, that's a hero in my yeah, mind. 100%, yeah, they, they did it because they felt it was the right thing to do and they wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. that decision yeah, yeah. For sure. so let's uh tell me about Simood and and for our listeners more than anything um you spoke about obviously access to mental health supports can you just expand on that a bit more in turn like what 
what types of mental health supports? Are there different areas that SIMUD specializes in? Anything you'd yeah, care to share? Absolutely. So SIMUD is a is a an online platform, and hopefully one day in person too, once everything gets going again. And so what it is is an individual would be able to choose the kind of the category or the 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 situation that they're dealing with, but also choose the language that they feel most comfortable with. Because the one thing that we've noticed is, is trying to delegate your concerns in a language that you're not very familiar with is very difficult and we could miss some things. So Simud platform will actually allocate and connect people from their birth language to specialists you know, in different countries that are available in that language as well. So they're able to choose who and how they're supported. And in some cases we, in the mental health space, you get what you get. But here with Simud, you're able to choose. And I think with mental health, if you're able to choose a solution or choose an individual to help you, that is the biggest gift that we could ever provide. And through that, working with partners like yourself and, and our community organizations, being able to share SIMUD to these individuals and groups is very beneficial because Canada is a, a country of newcomers and, and it's an amazing opportunity. And SIMUD is also doing podcasts and webinars and really trying to get out there so everybody who may not have access to certain technology will be able to find that solution anywhere that they go. Yeah, and I know in speaking to our nurse navigation team, I mean, that's a real benefit because as you say, there are so many newcomers and English isn't their, their first language. So the fact that they can get, that they can talk to a, a professional, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to our point we talked about earlier, but secondly, talk in their own language you know, is, is sets you apart, I believe, from any other organization out there that, that's doing what you're doing. So, um, and what would be the, um, so they get to choose, which is great, but what would be the wait times? In other words, if somebody through our navigation team puts them in touch with, with uh, SIMUD, um, how long till a person can actually see, see a specialist on average? Yeah, so you can book, a, you know, initial 15 minute kind of meeting and which gets everything started. And after that, then you build that relationship with that specialist. And it basically, very much like a navigational system, you can choose through a calendar of when your appointments are and they have access to choose. And I use the word choose sort of like quotations is because especially in mental health, psychology, you know, all kinds of different kind of health mentality is having the option of choosing is key. So Simon gives them the choice. So the wait time is not long. They have the opportunity of the scheduling using the navigation system support and all the specialists we say communicative to as well. So you're in communication with your specialists and your support network on a regular basis. And the wonderful thing about Simon is the back end stuff, the individuals that dedicate their time to help this are also very much on call, ready to go. So no one is left hanging because especially on my side of things on a personal level, it was that waiting mentality that really deterred me from getting that support that was needed. Simon eliminates that, you know, time wasted of waiting to be able to gain access. So you can build a relationship with your specialist in the language that you feel most comfortable with in a personal level without, you know, being like, well, I don't have time maybe five months from now. It's instant, which is wonderful. Yeah, which is why we chose you as a, a partner, because our model is personalized expert access. You know, if you think of those three words, personalized care, which is what you're saying, and particularly because people have the ability to, to choose, uh, they're experts in their own field, right? 
uh, and that personalized expert access. So getting quick access as well. Mm -hmm. In the last we looked uh, from Health Canada, the average wait to see a psychiatrist in Canada hovered around six months. You know, yeah. so you think that when people need treatment and they can't see the person they need for six months, that's that's scary. You know, it, it is. And, you know, if you're going through a situation, especially that you're so frustrated about because you're trying to find a solution that maybe the English is not as strong to say to someone, we'll see you in a few months. That's not good enough. You know, and you're so right. Therapists are working so hard. There's not enough of them, you know, so being able to utilize a, a navigational tool that Simon has created to be able to provide specialists from all over. It, it kind of cuts that wait time down to, to nil because you're giving them access in the safety and comfort of their own home without having to go through the journey and wait time, you know, which is key for success. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, there obviously there's in the past, there's been a stigma attached to mental health, which hopefully is gone now. I, I, I believe it. it's maybe not 100% gone, but it's way better now than it was a year or two or three or five or 10 years ago. But um you know, a lot of the stigma was people were reluctant to, let, to go see a mental health professional because who might see them? You know, they're in a small town or in the inner community and they have to, you know, go in and see the psychiatrist or the psychologist or whatever it is. Whereas, as you say, now it's virtual uh, through your program. And also they can do it from the comfort of their home, right? Nobody's, yeah. Nobody can see where they're going or what they're doing. They can do it from the comfort of their home. So uh, just a just a great, great service. Can you do you care to share any um, success stories that you might have? Because I'm sure you've got boatloads of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, the biggest success stories that we find, you know, especially working in the communities, you know, with different languages and barriers that might kind of hindering is giving individuals the success of feeling comfortable. So there's, we have a lot of people coming and commenting, saying, you know, I was afraid but now I feel comfortable. So the thing is, is that when you're not having to force your way through a language that you don't understand and you can speak with your full heart in your birth language without any fear, the greatest you know, comments and compliments that we get is thank you for providing a service that is built around me, you know, built around my language. Because in a lot of the cultural situations, it, it is a taboo and a stigma to ask for help. But because it is a digital platform, they don't have to worry about potentially people finding out. And it was very much the same with me as well. And a lot of people I'm sure listening is that fear of what if someone finds out you're going to a therapist or you're going to get help. And unfortunately, that should never be a stigmatism. That should be a proud thing that you're, you're taking the steps to get the support. But a lot of times in different cultures, that could be a bit difficult. So knowing that they have access privately, securely, this is all secure, nothing is saved, nothing is recorded, the specialists are all filtered through, through with our mental health specialists that really take pride to make sure that the people that are on the platform are truly there for the right reasons and qualified. So I think knowing that they have the ability to have the support in their birth language without the fear of people knowing, that's the greatest compliment I think we ever get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I assume you're having uh, um, significant uptake in the Canadian marketplace. Yeah, you know, the, the more we talk about it, thankfully, through you and, you know, organizations that we speak to is knowing that we're around, you know, the, the hardest thing is what is the best tool to find the individuals and it's word of mouth, the, the old mentality of word of mouth still works, you know, obviously social media is key, but 
the more amazing partners that we have, like yourself and Advica, it allows us to kind of share our message of like, we're here, you know, you know we're not gonna throw it down your throat, we're, we're here if, if you need. And the more influx of newcomers to Canada, the more opportunities we have to provide that support. Um, because let's be honest, a lot of the newcomers to Canada are probably coming from a situation that's pretty hard. Um, maybe a country that's in a little bit of a turmoil. So they're coming with baggage that they need to be supported with. So yeah. knowing that they say, hey, we do have several individuals that speak the language that you are familiar with. When you're ready, we're here. And, and I think that's the, the best thing that I could ever say is the solution is here when you're ready. Uh, and yeah. I think that's the best. Yeah, what a great, great service. Uh, I love it. And uh, filling a great, uh, real need out there in the market. What do you um, what do you see as the future when it comes to mental health in Canada? Let's go, you know, go out five or 10 years. What do you see? I mean, I think COVID has had a big impact and, and forced us, but created an opportunity to be virtual and run both mm -hmm. of our businesses virtual. Where do you see it going in the next five or 10 years? Well, I, I hope first that the, the stigmatism of it is gone. I, I hope that COVID has made us realize that it's okay to be fragile, it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to, to be kind to yourself and also to others. So I hope that mental health is becoming kind of like the standard of support, you know, in the workplaces even as well, that, you know, you're worried about slipping and falling and hurting your back. Well, mental health should be there too. We, you know, corporate world and like yourself that you're doing, you're creating a wonderful platform for others to follow is mental health should be included as similar to spring in an ankle in a workplace. Yeah. So I, I hope like unions and things like that, the same thing, we're worried about you falling and hurting yourself at work, but we're also worried about mentally you're falling and you need that support. So I hope in the next five or 10 years, mental health solutions is a norm when it comes to support that it's like, yeah, yeah, we have that already. That's no problem. Don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every employer should have it. Yeah. Every Canadian should have access. You know, it's gotta be there. So it anyway, does. Your, your service is providing that, which is great. Um, I'd like to just switch gears for a bit. You obviously sure. are training for an Ironman. You look super healthy. And as you know, I wrote Thank a book. <laughs> uh, and one of the concepts in the book is what I call the wheels of health. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a, a couple of minutes here to finish off and just ask you what you're doing in each of uh, the wheels of health to, to keep your own game at the top of the game. And, and we'll start with the easiest one, which okay. is movement or exercise. So yeah. just share with us what you're doing in, in terms of that, if you wouldn't mind. Well, first of all, I got your book and I'm reading it. So thank you so much for that. I'm really enjoying it so far. So I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I guess besides the activities that I'm doing for training and fit physical fitness is, you know, I guess in a way, physical yoga, I've been doing a lot more yoga. Um, I find that over time, as we know, working remotely, you become stiff because you're sitting a lot. And I was never a, a person to, to do yoga. I never thought it was necessary, but for me now starting to implement yoga throughout my day, you know, stopping, getting up, moving around, doing some poses has been really beneficial for me and also helps me focus more at work because I'm not moving on my chair as much in pain. So I'm able to be more focused. So that would be the addition that I added to my already extensive training regimen. 
Well, and I and that will also help you in your in your triathlon training as well, right? Just Absolutely. Oh, my knees feel and... yeah, my knees feel better, which I never thought they could be better, but yeah, they feel so much better. Yeah, that's excellent. I I you know what I've kind of done yoga from time to time, but um, I'm not. It's not consistent. Mine would be more stretching than yoga. So uh, yeah, hey, well, stretching in itself is beneficial. Yeah. 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 So second wheel of health is around uh, what fuels our body um, and eating well. So do you have any tricks or any, any advice you can give our listeners or what you do in terms of eating well on a, on a daily or weekly basis? Yeah, absolutely. So the two things I would say is, I, you know, becoming vegan helped. Um, you know, listen, I was a meat eater for all my life and I watched the Food Network and sometimes I think to myself, oh gosh, that looks good. But being a vegan, it allowed me to really focus on my gut health, which I really had a lot of issues. And, and again, my mom had colon cancer. So gut health is something that really, if it is hereditary, I should be taking it seriously. So becoming vegan really, really helped as well. And, you know, again, being vegan, eating the right things, utilizing the same things was beneficial. But I also had a very unhealthy relationship with food. I had that mentality where I had to eat as much as I could, snacking a lot. I never felt full. So the hardest thing for me was, is over the last few years was building a better relationship with eating that, you know, instead of snacking, have a little bit of a fuller dinner, then I wouldn't be snacking throughout the night. So I had to learn a lot about that. So building a better relationship with food is something that I thought really helped me big time and mentally too, as well. Yeah, congratulations on that because uh, that's a big one. I mean, I think all I think everyone uh, um, deals with that issue on a daily or weekly basis. I know for myself, it's been one to uh, that I've had to overcome. And I, I don't actually call myself a vegan because I I I still I call myself plant based. So you know, ninety percent yeah. of what I do is plant based uh, on a daily basis. But you know what? I still like my chips the odd time and some other things as well. But uh, try to minimize that as as much as possible. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you get up uh, at 4, 4 or 4.30 in the morning. I think you said your workout started at 4.30. So um, one of the other wheels of health that we get amazing feedback on because so many people are, are dealing with it is their sleep and, and sleep issues. So can you comment on that or things that you do personally to, to ensure you get good, deep, good REM sleep uh, during the night? Yeah, so I did actually start doing a lot more in the last few years REM sleep throughout the day, even just 30 minutes of REM sleep to kind of recharge the battery throughout the day. Because when you're waking up at 4, 4.30, your body will start to get a bit tired around 3 or 4 o'clock in the day. So utilizing 30 minutes of REM sleep, even just 30 minutes of laying on the, on the yoga mat, being quiet and being silent really helped recharge I'm really reluctant to try to utilize like melatonin and things like that that are artificial because if I can utilize, you know, earlier to bed, nine o'clock, the hardest thing for me was is turning technology off because I was very much laying to bed, get the iPad, watch something. And trying to turn that off was very difficult. But now I have, I noticed that because of what time I wake up, the activities I do through the, the day, and then the activities I do before bed, I'm so drained that as soon as it hits nine o'clock, I'm out. Yeah. And I wake up naturally without really assistance of an alarm because your body, as you know, you, you build such a routine that it's like, okay, 4.30, click. Okay, nine o'clock, click. So 
learning that, but I also think reducing my meat intake and dairy before bed and removing that really helped big time because I wasn't in the, I wasn't having so much indigestion because I was eating more of a clean meal. So that helped me sleep better too as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, your biggest energy depletion is is uh, digesting your food, right? So if you're having mm-hmm. late time snacks or big foods or hard to digest foods, then that's affecting your sleep. So, you know, your diet and, and these are all related, as you know, and that's why I call them the wheels of health, because we need to look at all of them versus yeah. just one or two of them. Uh, so that's great. And, you know, I've had a similar experience as well. I, you know, I wake up without an alarm clock most times, you know, most nights before my alarm goes off, I'm already up and uh, cause I've gone to bed early. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, most nights I have a very good sleep. Do you just out of interest, use any sleep devices like whoop or aura or any of those? Great question. So I am a whoop guy. Um, okay. I've been a whoop guy for a few, few years now. And, um, honestly, it is such a nice feeling to have the, the, on record your sleep because it helps you benefit the next day so yeah i'm a whoop guy i'm i'm happy to have a whoop on my wrist <laughs> i like to see i don't know if you can see that but i like to see that on on my whoop nice well that's actually very good wow good. That's yeah, impressive. Those, it doesn't happen every day let me tell you yeah no kidding Holy i was in a race the other day and uh, the day after the race it was like redlining so <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've done a few red lines yeah yeah, yeah. so that's excellent and the last one which uh, very much fits into our discussion today is around uh mindfulness or uh looking after your stress levels and what are you doing on, a, is there any regimens or you mentioned yoga, but are there any other things you do to keep, to ensure you keep your mind in, in check and in a very nice place? Yeah. So I've been a practicing Buddhist for a long time. So meditation is key, but the one thing that I have found that has been beneficial lately, especially during COVID and the uncertainty was I always meditate, but I also say continuously be gentle with yourself. And I think we are in a society where, like, you know, we are put in a position where we have to do this, be this, you know, we have to be surrounded by what we're supposed to be. And sometimes we're so aggressive to ourselves to be successful, to have this and to have that, that just taking time to be gentle with yourself and to be vulnerable with yourself really helped me take some time away throughout my day to just be in silent, but to repeat my mantra of just be gentle. And that really does help because the world around us is hard on us enough. So we don't need to do the same for ourselves. So being gentle with yourself is something that I think is very beneficial. Yeah, I love that. Be gentle with yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to, I love that saying because you're right. We're, I mean, the, life is tough enough and has its own challenges that we don't need to then beat ourselves up over things that, you know, during the day or night. So be gentle to yourself. Exactly. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Thank you. Um, so, you know what, from what I can see, it seems like your wheels are in balance. I'm sure it's like <laughs> most of us though, every once in a while, one goes off kilter, but that's, you know, that's why well, that's human. Right. And then we need mm-hmm. to jig it and, and get it back, back in line again. But it seems like you're, you're doing uh, some amazing things to keep your wheels of health uh, full and, and in balance. So congrats, uh, congratulations on that, Ross. Oh, thank you. Thank you very and, much. And uh, also just, it's been such a pleasure to have you on and we're so proud to have you as part of our network. Um, we will, uh, for, for our listeners out there and our Advocate Health members, uh, they can of course access your services through our nurse navigation network at any time. Uh, but we'll, we will also make sure we put in the show notes 
the link to your website and blog and and uh, and, and also your podcast because mm-hmm. I've been listening to them as well. Yeah, um, uh, as for any of our listeners. So uh, just to wrap up, thank you so so much again, and it's been a pleasure and a lot of fun having you on the show today. Well, thank you, Kevin, very much. It's an honor to be here and uh, look forward to connecting more with you down the road. Excellent. Great, Ross. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. You too, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For all of our listeners, I invite you to visit advocahealth.com where you can easily become an Advocate member to take advantage of some of the amazing services we offer. You can also access our latest blogs and listen to some of the best medical advice available on our podcast. Don't forget to grab a copy of my latest book, It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy, that is available to order through our website. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.